Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we get a double helping of Batman trailers, prepare the podcast world for Wolverine, force Archie to choose, and see what Priest has in store for the Justice League. Stay tuned for all this and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hecia yeah Comics Podcast. I am David Luzayer. That over there, not speaking, is Nick Sharemooksness. You are the listening audience, and this is the podcast where each week we talk about the latest in comic book releases, news, movies, all the good comic bookiness that exists out in the world. We're gonna we're gonna find it. And we're gonna give it to you because we love you. That's why we do this is a hundred percent love. And all the like the money I make doing this. Yep, and all the you make money doing this? Oh no. You weren't supposed I, to know. I don't I don't make any money doing this. I do this out of literally the generosity of my heart because I feel like the world or the thirty or so people that listen to us like uh-huh. really value my opinion. Uh, so I I just I wanna be accessible hey. for them to be able to hear my thoughts buddy on. i really value so. your opinion <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah, yeah yeah i guess you do that's pretty that's that's nice of you uh, uh david how's it going well it was going fine until the weird insulting that just well, happened that was i i did like some scoffing some light scoffing and then i turned back around and said that i value that you value my value oh shit <laughs> I fell apart there at the end. Yep. <laughs> um, it got awkward for everybody. Yeah, I should cry. That's uh, you know what happens. Uh, yeah. Anything, uh, anything interesting, uh, non-comp book related happened to you? The uh, between the episodes that you feel like maybe you need to get off your chest. Um, I some weird, like improv thing that you need to like kind of shower us with for five minutes. I decorated a gingerbread cookie to look like Patrick Star from SpongeBob. That was a highlight. That's um, that's pretty cool. For some reason, I thought you were gonna say Patrick Stewart. No, I'm not that talented. And I and I didn't like hear uh, gingerbread cookie. I heard gingerbread house in my head. Yep, so I was picturing I, a gingerbread house that looks like Patrick Stewart. I think we're onto something here. <laughs> I think. So, yeah. Is, Nick, uh, has, what's what's? Uh, do you have something you want to talk about? You seem so like gung ho about getting no, me to I, chat up. No, I just I I just wanted to know how your your day was going. I would never try to use your uh, life to set up my yes, ability to talk about myself. Yes, yeah. you would all the yeah. time. I, I probably I probably would. Uh, no, I got uh, nothing nothing crazy going on. Just you know, recording podcasts left and right, and like going to work and like getting my wisdom teeth out. But that's it. Oh yeah, you got your wisdom teeth out. How did that go? You like thirty year old man with wisdom teeth. Almost thirty-year-old man with wisdom teeth, and also Mister at the beginning of that, Mister almost thirty-year-old man with wisdom teeth. Thank you very much. You're uh, welcome. And now I only have two wisdom teeth left, but left. I feel like I can't talk now with them gone. Like I sometimes like I'm walking and I feel like like I'm this old man that's like toothy and like missing teeth, but they're in the back, so like face on, like 
I still have like a full like all my teeth. But like when I'm talking, I'm like, I feel like I'm just talking really gummy or something, uh, which know, doesn't really make any sense. But it uh, was a fine procedure. I got um, shot up with Novocaine. He pulled them out and I've yet to experience any pain. Uh, cool. I didn't take any like ibuprofen or anything. Um, so I just, it just looks like I got into a fist fight on my face. Great. Uh, I, um, I still have all my wisdom teeth. Um, but unlike you, I understand our listeners don't care about listening about my wisdom teeth. So we're just going to move on. Oh, guys, Nick's making a sad face. It's oh, okay. I thought I, that, I thought that was, you were about to play the news music. Like I took that as a segue. And now I am. Our top story today. After a disappointing <laughs> summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. Nick, you know I love you. All right, you know, that 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 big puffy uh, face of yours. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's cool. well, so uh, this... in our first. No, oh wait, sorry. Uh, ooh, boy, you know, ooh, he... I, I feel like I just took something from you, and I feel like no. now, like you need to, you you like starting the news stories, so I'll. I'll give this back. No, 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 you go ahead. You go right ahead. No, 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 no. I insist that you start because... This week, we got a look at two upcoming animated Batman films, the first being Ninja Batman, the second being Gotham by Gaslight. The first is uh, being produced in conjunction with a lot of people who are uh, involved in animes that, if that's your scene, you have probably heard of. Uh, the second is a take on Batman in a steampunk setting. The two are very different, uh, but both uh, uh, so far appearing very interesting. Uh, for more information on Ninja Batman, it is being directed by Junpei uh, Mizusaki and produced by Warner Brothers. Uh, the creator of Afro Samurai is the character designer for the film. And the premise is that Batman is transported to feudal Japan and must battle reimagined versions of his villains alongside his allies. Aiding the Dark Knight are Japanese versions of Nightwing, Red Hood, Red Robin, Robin, Penny, Alfred Pennyworth, and Catwoman. Villains uh, so far appear to be the Joker, Harley Quinn, Penguin, Poison Ivy, Two-Face, Clayface, Deathstroke, and Gorilla Grodd. Uh, there has been no word yet on who's going to be the American cast, uh, but there's quite a bit there. On the other side, uh, Gotham by Gaslight uh, will also be featuring Batman and Catwoman and Alfred and all that, it seems. Uh, but I'm trying to... I did not pull up information fast enough. Uh, features Bruce, Bruce Greenwood as Batman and Jennifer Carpenter as Selina Kyle. Uh, Bruce Greenwood... I believe has some history voicing Batman for, uh, I'm trying to confirm here. Probably other DC animated movies. Uh, but specifically Young Justice. Oh, so, okay. So he's done it f- uh, for an extended period of time. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter playing Deb from, um, what was that show called? Dexter. Uh, ah, okay. Cool, cool. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, oh, and, and, Anthony Head is playing uh, Alfred Pennyworth for those who watched uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's Giles. Uh, any... oh, G- Giles, I feel like, would make a good Alfred. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I can I... see that. I can definitely see that. So, um, What did you think of the trailers, David? Uh, I think they're two very different styles. Um, mm. I think 
they both look really interesting. Uh, I am hoping for exciting animated Batman stories. Uh, one will be getting early January or late January, early February. And uh, Ninja Batman does not yet have a release date. They seem to actually like, this seems like it's going to be, I guess, kind of a big deal. Uh, big, I mean, since they're, yeah, it'll be released sometime in 2018. That's all. That's all we know. I think Ninja Batman or Batman Ninja, I guess is what it's called, looks crazy, and I'd want it to be full of action and, and insanity. And I'm, it looks like there's going to be a giant Joker mech, and I'm kind of weirdly into that. What do you think, Nick? Um. So I just I, I was watching the Gotham by Gaslight trailer while you were speaking, mm-hmm. but I heard everything you said. I'm sure it was important. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sometimes we're jerks to each other. Yeah, but a little bit. Um, so, I mean, animation-wise, like, the quality is on par with a lot of the other DC Universe movies. Like, it it didn't... I wasn't, like, blown away by it. I haven't actually read Gotham by Gaslight. It's on my to-read list. Um, but like, other than that, like, I'm sure I'll get around to watching it event- eventually. Other than, like, it basically just seems like a Batman story set in a steampunk Victoria and, uh, like, England or Gotham or whatever. Um, I also don't suggest people watch the trailer. I think it gives away a little too much of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Batman Ninja, I've just pulled, I've watched the trailer before, but I'm just pulling it up again. Um, the animation is cool, but, and I get, and it probably has something to do with like budgets and stuff, but it's got like that cell shaded or like CGI and like anime look, which I'm not as much of a fan of. Uh, I've watched some animes that have had that visual style that like I've ultimately enjoyed, but I still prefer something a bit more traditional. Um, but I didn't get, so wait, just to be clear, like Batman, the Batman gets transported to this like alternate Japan. Or did it just say that it just, he it's gets, just taking he gets, the Batman concept? And no, it's, it... it's modern day Batman is transported to feudal Japan. Yes. Interesting. Now, um, yeah, the versions of his allies, if they are actually his current day allies, also back in time, is uh, is currently unknown. It just seems like a weird coincidence that he could teleport back in time to, and then like, but have like everyone, like everyone would be there. I, I I interpreted that as just like it's Batman, but set in this like feudal. Which is not really futile. Like they, yeah, they're wearing like samurai armor and stuff. But then he's driving a freaking motorcycle. Um, well, that's Gotham by Gaslight. He's on a motorcycle. No, I I'm watching Batman Ninja right now, and he just busted through a building in a motorcycle. Makes sense. In like a futuristic motorcycle. Um, so one thing I like about it, as far as like what I can barely, cause I think that I have it on mute right now, but I think when I watched the original trailer, it was also in Japanese. So you don't really understand anything that they're saying. Um, yeah, they have not announced, they have not announced any American voice cast yet. So, yeah. Um, I like that there's more than just the usual suspects. And so far as like a version of Damien's there, a version of Tim Drake is there, mm-hmm. uh, a version of Jason Todd is the red hood is there. And also the fact that the red hood looks ridiculous. Um, just with the his like ten foot high mask or whatever that he's wearing, uh, is pretty uh, pretty silly. Um, but 
but yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where like so much crazy stuff happens in the Batman Ninja trailer that it's hard to kind of make sense of like what the ultimate. I mean, other than oh, I just realized that there's a version of Deathstroke in there too, um, and the Penguin. Did you not? Um, okay, I literally said. I was reading the synopsis, and it said that it will feature versions of Deathstroke and the Penguin and Poison Ivy and Two Face. I didn't hear that part probably because I was uh, watching Not the Gotham, paying I guess, attention. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, pay attention to everything but those specific lines. Yeah. Um, so it looks really cool. Um, I'll definitely be watching the final uh, result. Uh, I guess the only thing is it's another Batman versus Joker. You know, showdown. Which yeah, that's one thing I'm hoping Gotham by Gaslight. There's this whole Jack the Ripper character. I'm really hoping it's not like it was secretly the th- Joker. Oh gosh, it's totally gonna be the Joker. Have, wait, have you read Gotham by Gaslight? No. The original book? No. I'm I'm not gonna Google it and spoil it for myself. But it's like ten bucks is probably the Joker, or maybe the Riddler. Maybe they could go that route. I'm assuming that the overall story was pulled from like the actual comic like they're not going to deviate too much from that but i guess so it looks like it looks like it's, it looks like it's actually jack the ripper in the comic it is not the joker the joker yeah even though joker's quote unquote real name is jack napier and like uh no that's only from the film version that's anyway that let's let's move on to our next news story i think we've we've gone all we can go on that I was expecting. Oh, sorry. To... I thought you. Were, I thought you, I, I was waiting for you to start saying it. Nope. Um. Well, cool. Then we're totally on point today. Uh. In other news, the uh, Marvel has announced a Wolverine podcast, <sighs> which uh, which is uh, interesting. This is called. Oh, sorry. Marvel and Stitcher will partner for Wolverine: The Long Night, which is a ten-episode scripted podcast by Green Arrow's Benjamin Percy. Uh, Green Arrow, specifically the Green Arrow comic from DC. I believe Benjamin Percy's also writing Teen Titans for DC right now. Um, but the uh, podcast will star the Hobbit actor Richard Armitage as the titular Wolverine. Um, this is uh, an interesting foray for Marvel in their uh, entertainment sphere. Uh, David, you seem to have some uh, strong opinions about it. Why don't you share them? Yeah, so when I first heard this, it made it sound like, hey, this is going to be a podcast hosted by Wolverine, and I thought that was the stupidest thing I'd heard in my life because Wolverine would never host a freaking podcast. But how amazing would it be if Wolverine did, in fact, decide to host a podcast? Go on. He would need other people to record it. He wouldn't bother learning how to record it. I mean, it would be a very... Like low budget podcast, like, like you probably just have a tape recorder. If it, you know, there's like ways to do it comedically, but if you're trying to do it seriously, I don't see Wolverine being that type of character. But uh, reading a little bit more into it, you know, it's it is a story where Logan is the prime suspect in a series of murders in Alaska, so it could be somebody investigating the murders, um, and Wolverine just happens to kind of be. Uh, you know, kind of dragged into that. If it is Wolverine is doing this podcast to clear his name and trying to find the real murderer, I will again be pissed because this, like, no, he shouldn't host. He shouldn't host a freaking podcast. It's stupid. I, I'm I'm not vibing that he's 
hosting a podcast because it sounds like part of the series is him recovering those memories and despite his attempts to separate himself from society getting drawn to a situation where frontier justice is called for and it's like it's a scripted podcast which i guess it doesn't necessarily mean that it's to me i took scripted podcasts like the people would refer to like scripted tv shows yes exactly so like, like that it, like it's a it's a drama um and i'm assuming being that they're pulling in someone like richard armitage who's not like a crazy big star but still like you know he's he's a name um that it wouldn't that like he that it's not like you were saying that it could be someone like investigating the murders that have wolverine but i imagine that they're bringing him in that like wolverine will be narrating this and before the show i had kind of commented that it could be like you're reading a wolverine comic with caption boxes which are more or less like in many comics now they're like uh, thought balloons so my thought was that these are this is like uh, a podcast like you know uh, audio narrative like where we're focused on like what the captions are saying while the action is going on. Like these are Wolverine's mm, thoughts. I, I, I see. I don't think that, I don't think, I don't, I don't see that working either. I don't, I don't see something where it's like, we're somehow tapping into this world, into the thoughts of another person. Like I, I think this is going to, they're going to try to sell this as somebody sitting down and recording something. And we are, uh, we are absorbing it as if it's a podcast that is released in quote unquote our world. Oh, well, I don't know. I, 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 I wasn't vibing that from the news release, but I guess we will find out when it ultimately I, drops. Now I've said this idea to people and I think the, what they should go with it. If they want to do a podcast set in the Marvel universe, they should do a podcast in which uh, Spider-Man who would totally have a podcast interviews other superheroes that he encounters because that's something Superman Super, or Spider-Man would do, and it would be, I think, a good time. You could have some more obscure characters. I mean, like the Great Lake Avengers being interviewed by Spider-Man. You get like some comedians to play. I think I think it'd be a great time. Anyway, Marvel, give me a call. <sighs> in the meantime, uh, coming next year, in addition to all those crazy Batman movies and Wolverine podcasts, there will be a Power Rangers crossover. So Boom Studios has announced that all the Power Rangers titles, which I'm not sure how many there are, like right. I think there's two. I think yeah, it's just two. Well, Power Rangers and Go Go Power Rangers. Yeah, that's a little odd considering I'm pretty sure they're the same continuity. Um, anyway, it's coinciding with the. They will be coming together in the uh, event called Shattered Grid. People who don't know. The Power Rangers morph using something called the Morphin Grid. Uh, anyway, it'll spawn two one shots, so a two part series. I don't know why it's not two one shots. Oh, you know why? I think is they're taking uh, Lord Draken, who is this like altered version of reality, uh, are gonna he's come. An, he's an altered version of reality, he's or a, he's an altered version of, of someone. He's an altered version of Tommy from another reality where he stayed. Oh, I remember you telling me about him in a previous show. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So here's yeah. So maybe Go Go Power Rangers isn't in the same continuity. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I I think I'm not, not granted. I haven't been reading them, but I think I do think that it's featuring the same cast of original Power Rangers. Probably just telling them the telling the stories at different points within their That's... Power Ranger careers. That is what it seems. And boy, quickly Googling Go Go Power Rangers, 
when that is the name of the theme song really does not give you a lot of information on that comic series. Uh, anyway, in a very rare move, Boom Studios will be poly- polybagging Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 25 to prevent spoilers. So oh, they are man. they are keeping this underlocking key. Shattered Grid is a massive Power Rangers event that that's both a celebration of the property and also the largest comic story I've ever tackled, according to... Uh, I believe it is Kyle Higgins. Kyle Higgins. Yeah, the the writer. Uh, Lord Draken's plan is so much bigger than our Rangers, our world, and even our universe. The grid is shattering. Every Power Ranger in all of existence is at risk, and it's going to take more than just the Mighty Morphin team to stand against Draken's armies. Uh there is a, a variant cover that shows Power Rangers from all the different generations. So this seems like it's they're going, they're pushing a, a big event. It's Spider Verse with Power Rangers, which or they've, Crisis on Infinite Earths with Power which Rangers. Which they've, I mean, they've actually kind of done on the TV show already. In the Jack- they did, didn't they? Have like all the Red Rangers or something. Yeah. Well, also, uh, like the like I can't remember the Power Rangers. Like there was like a, a big one where like a bunch of them. I know in Super Sentai, which is the Japanese series that series that Power Rangers is based on. Like once your a super sentai person star you're like one of them for life and they had like this big uh they had like this big thing a few years ago where like all of them showed up like of all the colors of all like the years all the years, but also all the colors. Like it wasn't just one particular color. Cause I yeah, remember yeah, they, yeah. they did like a, they did red do the, the red ranger episode. Uh, <laughs> which I for some reason have seen the last few minutes of. I have not seen the episode. Um I know it has to do with like Lord Zed's kid or something. Uh Sting. but like at the end of that episode, Tommy is walking away and someone's like, Man, there he goes, the greatest Power Ranger. And I was just like It's interesting yeah. how Tommy like really became like emblematic of just or just like the central figure i i never took it like i didn't dislike tommy but i was never like tommy's the greatest i was i was always a jason fan but that's not if you know there dude tommy is uh he's been many colors of power ranger he he has he has been many colors he was uh but yeah but jason was the gold ranger once so suck it yeah but i mean he was green green ranger white ranger red ranger and uh the black dino ranger wasn't he also a blue ranger he was he, never a Blue Ranger. Didn't he go into space with them and he became the Blue he was Ranger? The, he was the Red Ranger. No, I thought the alien he guy that was, was the Red Ranger. No, he was the Silver Ranger. He was... What, really? Yes. Something to look into later. I Look, man, you want to fight me on this? I don't, I don't want to fight you, David. I mean, physically, I think I would win, but... Um, when it what? comes to Power Rangers, I would never dare be trying to type in the background <laughs> while I'm talking to confirm that I'm probably wrong. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. yeah, he's he's also appeared. I mean, obviously, like he was. Uh, Tommy showed up in the Dino Thunder era as like a main character. Was one of the Rangers, uh, and apparently has shown up every now and then. And uh, in the Super Mega Force is. Where they had the uh, their super mega force, yeah, dude. It the, the names <laughs> Not are a just little mega force. Was there at least a mega force? 
I there may have actually been a Mega Force, but like I felt I, like there, there was like one season where it was like this one title, and then like they did it again, but they added. Like, maybe I'm thinking of Super Mega Force. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I love that this is like what we've gone off a tangent. Like real quick though, before before we move off, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this, and this is uh, from the the big anniversary episode where they had people from uh, the American version. A lot of them. Uh, show back up and oh man i'm realizing right now that the yellow ranger was there supposed to be the original cast on for, for people who don't not don't don't know the original yellow power ranger um passed away many many years ago so i think they just uh kind of didn't mention her by name Ooh. anyway this is getting real awkward let's move on to our next news story nick yeah, for sure. Just pulled that thing. Um, but in our final news story for my mouse, to, <laughs> literally my mouse will not let me see what. Up oh, there it is. Um, we get our first look at Robin on the Titans on the Titans TV show. Um, which should they just start calling them streaming shows now? Because I mean, like, yeah, you're watching it on a TV, but it's but you can also be watching it on a phone because it's through uh, DC's future streaming app. Um, but anyway, we get the first look. Um, hold on, let me just pull up the picture so I can give you my impression. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it looks like Robin. Yeah, you can't really see much. It's, I mean, it's got the shadowy, like, I'm run, life is dark, and, uh, but here's my bow staff. Uh, but this is Brenton Thwaites. Brenton Thwaites was, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? He, he plays, of? he plays Will Turner's son. Well, spoiler, dude. What? I watched... Pirates of the Caribbean 5 on silence on someone else's monitor while I was on a plane uh, coming back from uh, Colorado. So, like, I feel like I know the story, but also, like, you know, especially that scene at the end where... I haven't seen the movie, and I don't care. Why am I letting you talk about this? (laughs) I don't know. That sounds like a you problem. Anyway, uh, Brent Thwaites uh, is playing Dick Grayson for this uh, digital first TV series, Warner Brothers digital first tv series titans uh the suit was designed by laura jean shannon uh who also worked on marvel's iron man um so but yeah it's a it's a robin's it's a it's an armored robin suit which is good that it's probably not like the you know shorts and uh short sleeve shirt and uh shorts from the uh heydays but uh, it, David, it should be i think it's <laughs> interesting that he's robin and he's not nightwing i mean they're calling this show titans they're not calling it teen titans uh right well even then like during teen titans wasn't he for a long time he was he's he's been nightwing more than he's been robin in that right he has and i know i it's i started reading the the new teen titans run that where he became Nightwing, uh, he wasn't Robin for very long in it, but he did start as Robin. So it could be that he starts this as Robin and will evolve into Nightwing. That'd be cool. That actually would be a cool way to give him a character arc in the first season. Right, right. I could, I could see it. Because if anything, for some of these, I, I think a lot of these characters, they're, they're mimicking new Teen Titans. But like you said, it's a good character arc. And it does give him something to grow into. And it... Um, it's in a way faithful to the original source material as far as him being a Titan and transitioning from a Robin to a, a Nightwing. That's very true. That's kind of, I guess, uh, flipped me around a little bit on it, but this, I mean, this also means that we should be starting to get some looks at some other characters pretty soon. Yep. I'm really, I'm really curious to see, 
you know, how they're going to do character like Starfire and Beast Boy. Uh, oh, there is some old 80s TV show that I can't remember where it was supposed to be sort of a similar thing where it's a guy who could turn into different uh, animals, but they only had like stock footage of like three animals. So he just always turned into one of those three. It's like, I can be any animal in the world, but it's probably going to be a monkey. <laughs> right. That, uh, oh man, but I wonder how bad is CGI is going to look. I just, I mean, with it's... DC launching their own like digital streaming service, like I just, I don't imagine that the budget for this show is big. Like you would like to think that they would throw a lot of money at it, even for a TV show to like make it like to get out of the gate strong, especially if this is going to be the show that kind of launches your digital network that you're going to want people to pay for. But also like when you've got Raven, Beast Boy, Starfire, like all on this show that all require like heavy prosthetics or makeup or like CGI I don't know, man. I mean, makeups and prosthetics isn't... Once you have that made, you have that made. It's the CGI that's more like the word. Well, prosthetics, you have it made, yes, but you have to constantly keep applying it to the actor. Well, yeah, but it's not like you have to like make a new prosthetic every single they, time. They have to replace the actor every episode. <laughs> they put the prosthetic on, and it kills them by the end of the episode. They so have someone th- new cast They have to 3D time. print a new actor. <laughs> Which... Don't don't joke because like that is totally what's probably gonna happen in the future. Also a great idea writing that down. Oh dude, did I never tell you about my idea uh for a story where it's like in the future you can see any star you want because like cloning technology has reached the point where like, yeah, we can totally clone Jimi Hendrix and make him as talented as like we've always wanted him to be and like people can pay money to see quote unquote Jimi Hendrix live. And uh, I'm sure, like, I mean, there's a story in there somewhere that's just kind of like the, the vague it's, future. It's an interesting concept, especially if you're dealing with real celebrities. You'd have to get, like, licenses for their likeness. But yeah. I like it. I dig it. Well, I dig and, it. Uh, yeah, the, the only kind of story that I vaguely had in mind was, like, what if you have, like, the clone of, like, this artist and they, like, just don't have the drive to create. I don't know. It was all very beginning story ideas and here i am giving them away for free on a podcast why don't we you're such a you're such a generous person Dave. yeah why don't we go ahead and jump into some reviews to the batmobile let's go well we have a tradition of starting with nick and he's gonna tell us this week about which blade number one i am i am going to give my opinion of it away for free um on this so that, very podcast on this podcast um so uh, Witchblade number one is a reboot, like truly a reboot of the Witchblade series concept, all of that um, through Top Cow and Image. Uh, it's written by Caitlin Kittridge and uh, drawn by Roberta Ingranata, um, who are also new to the character. Uh, the main character is new to Witchblade. It's not the same Sarah Pizzini from the pre- previous iteration that ran oh. for 185 issues. Uh, this is top to bottom a reboot. Still takes place in New York. Still features a an artifact and the fact that it's called an artifact uh, called Witchblade. Uh, and I sound like I know what I'm talking about right now, but honestly, like I can probably count the number of Witchblade comics, previous Witchblade comics I've read on one hand. Um, and so I'm definitely by no means an expert. 
Uh, I think I have the first volume of Ron Mars's Witchblade Run on my shelf. I'll have to double check. But anyway, uh, this is a reboot, so you don't really need to know anything that came before. You're not at least expected to know anything that, that came before. But I suppose if you are uh, an old, old-time old Witchblade fan, then you might recognize references that I clearly wasn't getting. But how did I feel about the book? I didn't love it. Mm. Um, oh, hold on, where did my thing go? Uh, Ingranata's art was was good. Um, it's cartoony's the wrong word. Like the characters are kind of like realistic in the sense. Um, it wasn't like as hyper realistic as I think the previous uh, iteration of Witchblade tried to be. And I say hyper realistic, like they weren't all broken backs and giant boobs, but um, it's more of a a softer style. I feel like given the subject matter and how like dark and intense. Uh, which like the Witchblade concept concept can get, um, but I also felt like her artwork sometimes was inconsistent from page to page. Like the opening page is very very strong, starting with a like a, a, a cl- an extreme close up of the new Witchblade. Uh, her name's Alex Underwood. Uh, her eyes, uh, and then slowly panning out and switching and switching frames. Uh, but basically, we're watching her death moment. For those that don't know, uh, and it's, I guess oh, it's not really right. spoilers. Um, but in order to to become the witchblade or whatever or to gain power to gain the witchblade or the witchblade only chooses you in the moment of your death and and reverse you i guess so to speak um and then you get then you have to accept the witchblade into your heart or whatever um all cool stuff all cool stuff um so one thing the book tries to do is it kind of weaves the fact that like she alex dies um but as she's like bonding with the witch blade that she's going through like this kind of like dream like different dream sequences like she's having a dream of like of her murder but then she's like oh like i've had the same dream again for a while and the story the 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 narrative sequence kind of evens out halfway through uh to an overall strong finish but the opening and i actually like had to go back a few times just like like i still think that it was done perfectly because for example so again, the opening page is her death, um, and then the next page is she's. I'm just, I'm just kind of got a little play by play here just for a second, but then and the next page is her waking up. But then there's a caption that says that what's happening that, that her waking up happens 24 hours prior to presumably her death on the first page. So we're seeing her before her death, and she's putting on the clothes that you see in her death, which is like a blue jacket with like a purple shirt. Um, but then on the very next page that doesn't show that there was a time skip. Presumably it's just time progression progressing. She's in her office wearing a gray dress jacket or whatever. And like a white shirt. Um, and it's going through basically the meat of the issue, which is that she's, she's a victim's advocate, uh, working with people that are, are victims of violent crimes. In this case, she's working in this case, she is working on a case of, a, of, a, um, an ex-wife who was being abused by her uh, police officer husband. Um, and that, like, she was responsible for finding out who was uh, of a witness that, like, witnessed, like, the last beating that the woman, that the, the ex-wife took. Um, but then straight from that scene, we jump back to, like, her death. But now, like, she's clearly in the dream sequence. And I'm like, again, I'm, I'm kind of done with the play-by-play here. But it was just a really awkward transition where it's like, she's, like, this is saying this was 20 hours before but now she's in a completely different outfit, but she, she's wearing the same outfit that she did when she died. And it just, the beginning just did not mesh at all. And like, it was very obvious to me in my initial read through that 
like it was like sitting with me as like as I made it through the issue. So even though like I'm intrigued by how they're rebooting the character, um, structurally I felt like the issue. I think the intent really was to kind of make the reader feel disoriented, but I don't think it was done the way maybe it was intended or the way that I feel like it could have done. Um, so it's hard for me to say, maybe I'll check out the next couple of issues to see how the, the narrative uh, evolves. But uh, as a first issue, I wasn't really blown away. Like the art was, was really good. Um, but I felt like I didn't really have a strong sense uh, I didn't, I knew, I, I learned about the character. Like I learned that she was, um, a, uh, an investigative reporter working embedded in like war zones and that she went through a traumatic experience in a, in a way, like it was showing me that, like it, it didn't like hit you over the head. Like I did this and this and this and this, like it, it teases out that like she went through this traumatic experience. It shows panels where you can infer that she was a, um, investigative reporter, but I didn't like feel the emotions like of her experiences. So uh, hard to say it might just take some time for them to find their authorial voice and for the story to develop, but I'm not hundred percent sure I'm going to stick around for it. Well, all right, man, Michael Turner died almost 10 years ago. That is so crazy. If people want to only almost, I feel like he's been gone even longer than that. I know people don't know. Michael Turner is the uh, original artist behind Witchblade. Uh, passed in 2008 like nick it feels so much longer than that he's only 37 very sad that just i can't think of which played without thinking about that uh, anyway my review this week is archie number 26 uh i have been behind on archie for a bit but got cut up about a week or two ago so let's dive into where we're at for people who aren't aware of where this current all new Archie is at uh, Archie and Reggie uh, got into well Reggie worked up Archie a while ago and and they got challenged to a, uh, a drag race and when the drag race was about to happen Betty showed up to interrupt it but got caught in the crosshairs there was a giant accident uh, Reggie has ended up, I, I think from what I remember, he's in, he's in very hot legal trouble. I can't remember if he's getting behind bars. Uh, Archie kind of got off scot-free, pretty grounded though. And Betty is in a wheelchair. Uh, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> and Betty's parents, uh, blame Archie for everything. So they have not been allowed to see each other. And uh, Jughead, last issue, was working to try and help get that corrected by going to speak to uh, Betty's parents. Uh, Veronica and Archie have kind of been a little bit on the outs for a bit. Uh, They're still together, but things are a little bit rocky. They're not matching as well as they were. And, of course, Betty is struggling uh, with everything. Um and you also have uh, a character whose name I can't really remember. Uh, I want to say for some reason that it is uh, Dilton. That's his name. Yeah, Dilton. Dilton Doily is the character's name. Uh, before the accident, was spending a lot of time with Betty and very obviously has developed feelings for her. Uh, in the last issue, Archie's friends helped Betty kind of sneak away for a minute so that Archie could actually talk to her face to face. And while they were speaking, 
uh, they were discussing the fact that like your parents can't know that we're talking, uh, like especially like especially your mom. I think it's the phrase more of like she can never know about us, which of course was the exact time that Veronica overheard everything. Uh, so Veronica is really upset with Archie. hasn't spoken to him for a few days. Uh, while Betty and Archie are starting to reconnect. Uh, finally, Archie sees Veronica with another guy, not like, you know, not like together together, but they're like, uh, you know, sitting together at a booth at the uh, soda shop the Archie kids go down to. And uh, obviously it's a whole ploy to make Archie jealous, which works. Um, he storms off. Veronica goes to find him. And they begin to have a conversation in which she kind of gets him to admit you're not really over Betty. Uh, meanwhile, simultaneously, Betty has gone home and finds Dilton there, who is now expressing all of his feelings uh, to uh, to Betty and is kind of getting to the point of she's saying that, like, you know, I it's really complicated, but, you know, I do like you, too. And at the same time that Veronica is telling Archie he needs to choose between Betty or Veronica or Veronica and him being together or not. Uh, Dilton is telling Betty, she has to choose. Are we friends or are we dating? Which is a really kind of crappy situation to put anybody in. Both of them are in crappy situations. Uh, it is an interesting little cliffhanger to leave things off on. You know, you kind of expect the Veronica one to be coming, uh, but the Dilton one is also sneaking up simultaneously. You know, you have, you got to get that feeling that one of them's going to make the choice for the other. Uh, like Betty's going to make the choice to want to be with Archie. Archie's going to make the choice to want to be with Betty while the other one chooses to be with someone that is not Betty or Archie. And the drama will perpetually continue because these are comic books and there's not really an ending. It's it's hard for there ever to be a happily ever after for one of these pairings. Right. Even though like kind of the way that they're approaching it now is like this is supposed to be kind of the more realistic real life Archie. Like it's not just the characters that are going to be, uh, you know, stuck in the Archie's digest for all time. Uh, but but at that same time, like they're not ever going to age out of high school. We're not going to probably we're probably not going to get Archie the college years and then see, you know, middle aged Archie with him and Veronica and Betty all living under one roof in some polyamorous situation, <laughs> presumably in Utah. Uh, I feel like Archie did a while back before they did the reboot, like they did like johnson to the future i think they but i think they also did johnson the future showing archie with betty and archie with veronica uh i kind of like the, the idea of them being in a poly polygamous relationship uh, relationship but yeah. uh so this is um, like this well of drama right can it can work in the light-hearted archie tales because you can be like Oh Archie, why don't you just choose? And like, oh Archie, but like this is like a little more dramatic, a little more hyper realistic. 
And you can't really visit this well over and over and over again. You can't right. ask us as an audience, which one is Archie going to choose? Like he's been choosing Veronica up until now. And then like, is he going to get with Betty after the storyline? And then him and Betty are going to be together, but he's going to be like, I'm really, but like, I'm, I'm missing Veronica. And, you know, Betty's going to be like, you're not really over Veronica, are you? And he's like, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm trying to be. But you're Betty. And, like, you, they can't – it can't just be about who is Archie going to choose right. forever. And I, I applaud that Mark Wade has avoided that up to a, a certain degree, that he has made Archie with Veronica for a very long time. And obviously hinting that Betty and Veronica have a complicated relationship um, that they haven't, you know, that, that hasn't fully come up yet. And now it's like it's kind of been bubbling out of the surface and now it's it's coming up. But I don't know what they're going to do beyond this to keep Archie going in perpetuity. They very well could figure something out and I could be you know, totally eat my words here. But if like, if this is just the, like, I, I'm fine with where we're at now with it. You know, this is kind of the crux of what stuff's been leading to with this storyline. Uh, but if this right. is, if this is what we're leading to and it's what it's going to be from here on out, like I, I guess I'm being a little like fatalistic for absolutely no reason. Um, I'm obviously invested. I want to know who's going to choose what they've done a great job of making me care about this teenage drama with that. I have no reason to care about. Uh, and, We're old. We don't care about teenagers anymore. Yeah, man. We're both almost 30. I don't relate to these, to these 16 year olds being written by a 55 year old. These whippersnappers. Oh God, you're right. It is written by Mark Wade. Yeah. Um, one thing that might be interesting for, for Archie comics to do is like, let this be Mark Wade's Archie, like give him the opportunity to, to tell a finite story with a definitive ending, especially when it regards to the character relationships. And then whoever comes in next can tell like their definitive Archie tale. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. But then again, even in that scenario, it's all going to come back to, Who's Archie going to choose, Betty or Veronica? Because that's kind of like what these characters boil down to. And I just, I want to see them be something more. And I know in a lot of like the offshoots and stuff, they have been. You know, they've been giving some of these other characters the spotlight. And they're like Jughead has his own own ongoing. Uh, They gave... I think like Reggie, his own ongoing at one point, or not ongoing. Yeah, but like they're Kevin with, Keller's had his own. Kevin Keller's. Betty Veronica have had their own ongoing series. Yeah, yeah Betty. There. So some of them aren't ongoings; they're just limiteds. I should say it's not, they're not giving everybody like their own ongoing. Uh, I just I love the idea that these characters can be something more. I want to see them being something more. He wants to see them being something more, people. Yep. Well, I think now is a good time for us to dive into the book that we both read this week, which is Justice League number 34 by Christopher Priest and Pete Woods. The first time I have read a Justice League book since New 52's launch, probably. It's been Did you read only the first issue of Justice League from New 52? No, I read the, first, the whole origin. I read the whole origin and I think through like the arc after that and wasn't wowed by it. So... I kind of have a complicated relationship with team books anyway. I always find the individual parts more interesting than the whole. 
you know, I, I tried reading years ago. I was reading all the Avengers. Like there was like three different Avengers books going on. There's like secret Avengers, Avengers, and I, uh, Avengers limited or something. Who knows what the crap of like Avenger junior was called at the time. Uh, Young Avengers. Huh? Young Avengers. No, I think it was like Avengers, new Avengers. The one that like, like Luke Cage was in charge of. Uh, uh, that was just New Avengers. Yeah. Anyway, so he he took into. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> not important. But like, I realized, oh man. You know, I thought it would be like a really great way for me to get little bits of these characters and not have to read all these individual ongoings. But then I realized I would much rather read the individual ongoings than just see them in these big team books and also because typically big team books end up being very like we have to save the world here's gigantic drama uh however justice league number 34 has elements of that but it seems to be telling a more personal story nick give us a quick rundown on what this issue is about so basically we we are the word the justice league is handling multiple crises on or crises is handling crises on multiple fronts um, so the team is split up and it's all being orchestrated by Batman, but, uh, shit goes wrong. Um, well, Batman, hasn't, this, Batman hasn't slept in three days. Batman has not slept in three days. We have to remind ourselves that he is just a human. Um, but that he also micromanages like multiple teams and entities, uh, across the DC universe. So just for being just a man, he's pulled quite thin. Uh, and, uh, just before he's, he's barely gotten home. And like and slept for maybe like an hour. He's pulled into a Justice League emergency where they have to rescue a group of nuns who are being held by terrorists. They have to stop a or help in a uh, in El Domingo, which uh, was hit by an earthquake. And there's an armada of aliens approaching Earth that will be there within an hour. Um, needless to say, there the whole team is stretched thin, and Batman's trying to navigate everyone. Um and he messes up. Though the mess up, I don't want to say it's not a big mess up, but it's not like he, you know he doesn't. El Domingo doesn't get destroyed. The Indian Armada does not, uh, does not kill everyone. One person dies. Maybe like one or two people die as a result, but the league is still treating that. Uh, you know, they're still treating this like uh, there is some level of failure. You know, uh, Clark comes to him at the end of it and says, like, it was a good day. You know, we still did good, which is true. Like, they still objectively did good. But you just kind of get the sense of this book that there was also a failure. Right, right. I think it very much hit home. And this this arc, at least, is very much about the breaking of Batman. Actually, I just pulled up the final page of the comic and it says next, the breaking of Batman continues. So if anything, this is the breaking Batman of justice league. Um, but you're right. It wasn't like it was, that's what, and I think that's what makes both this issue and like the, the potential of this arc interesting, but certainly the narrative structure and quality of the issue was that while, uh, I mean the, the, terrorist hostage situation i mean is an exceptional situation but kind of a bit more something that will definitely happen in the real world uh, well i guess the earthquake can happen too but like the, obviously the alien armada is like this big thing that's never going to happen for fingers crossed um but 
the idea that like it seemed like also throughout the issue like all the characters were aware like batman like you probably need to rest and he's like fine uh and like he's trying to orchestrate and everything it really was sort of like and i think in a realistic sense you have all these characters that spend a lot of time with each other like they're going to pick up on batman not being a hundred percent so like you said even though like really by the end when it comes to like statistics they presumably lost the nun like he mentions that he almost drowned a city because of, of the tsunami that was caused by the earthquake um they lost the nun uh, and then the alien armada, spoiler alert, like ended up being that they weren't invaders. They were tourists uh, that took a wrong turn, which was like an interesting, kind of they, funny. They didn't, they didn't even take a, a wrong turn. They were coming to Earth to look at it and then leave. No, I. Oh, does they, he they say they took a long some, turn? Uh, I think Simon says something. He says they're not invaders. They're tourists. Uh, no kidding. It's like, uh, sorry. Oh, where did he say it? I don't know. It's, uh, they, they just made a wrong turn at Albuquerque. So he was making a joke, but um, it's not, to me, I took that that the alien martyr wasn't trying to actually go at Earth. They were going like they they just took a wrong turn and oh. then diverted. I mean, I took Pers- it as like they were they were just coming by to take a quick look at Earth because you know, hey, there those are there's the place with the last Kryptonians and they've destroyed. They beat back Darkseid like 55 times. And <laughs> You're sensitive about that. The anti-monitors tried to consume their world, uh, but no, they're Amish country. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I, I know. We, we talked we, about we this. We this, talked about this. But for the audience, you know, I my interpretation of the, us being quote-unquote Amish country is that in comparison to certainly that alien armada, that we are not an interstellar culture. While we have some interstellar capabilities as a culture and as a society and a race we are not interstellar so in that regard despite the fact that we have like 15 kryptonians and green lanterns and and teleportation technology uh we're still pretty small fries in the intergalactic uh conglomerate whatever freaking you want to call yeah. it so um, i'm i'm looking I'm just looking through here and i there's one panel that really stuck out to me while reading it that looking at it now is also sticking out to me which is uh the panel where batman jumps into the building after the stuff goes down with the nuns and the nun has been stabbed and just the way that wonder woman is looking at him is really poignant and really sticks out to me uh, it's just a beautiful uh, job by uh, by Pete Woods in that panel of conveying a lot without words, mm-hmm. um, where there's just this look of, I mean, it's kind of this look of blame of like, we could have done something, uh, you know, this was your call, and because of your call, a nun has been killed, and like that, I love like, just that extra little bit of salt in the wound. Like it was a nun. She's given her life, presumably doing good for other people. And she died because of you, Batman. Like from a narrative standpoint, like a true innocence was killed. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I, I guess I thought that was good. One thing I thought was weird was like, this is all happening very quickly. It's like, there's a scene of Bruce in his, like his, his civilian gear or maybe he's trying to be Matches Malone. I don't know. I uh, actually, I think Matches Malone has an eye patch. No, wait, that's Patch from Wolverine. Anyway, um, so he's like on the ground outside the, the, the situation. The the FBI agents or whoever they are, the tactical team, throw the flashbang grenades in there. 
Um, which they call them flashbang grenades, but like that's a freaking explosion. Flashbangs are still so, they're still explosions, but it, the flashbangs landed too close to the oxygen tank and caused it to explode. Oh, now I'm looking at the panel closer. You're right. You're well, right. Plus, plus Wonder Woman says that. <laughs> and apparently, I just totally glossed over that. Yeah. Um, but too close to the. Yeah, I totally just breezed by that that line of dialogue. Um, but literally a page late, like almost a page later after that he's in full batman gear and like jumping into the building i i'm taking that like i just have to imagine that it's not that easy getting into the bat suit especially when no. you're already on public like you have to have go, gone to find a place to change into his gear they're wearing uh, it under their clothes what they're wearing it under their clothes because when aquaman gets pulled to uh to the watchtower he's like immediately stripping off his clothes and he's got the aquaman suit underneath well, I'm missing everything today. I mean, I do remember. Okay, I do remember that part with Aquaman taking off his his clothes. But, I mean, of he's course still got you do. Boots. I'm just commenting that it seemed like a very quick transition. It wasn't a quick transition, uh, but that's. Yeah. Just if anything, happened. it would have been kind of hilarious if it was just Bruce, especially because he's so exhausted right now that he would have just jumped into the building like not wearing boots and gloves, like it's just his his body, his bat body. I'm armor, here. Whatever. He's like, oh, oh, I forgot my mask. Oh no! Oh no! See me? Oh no! Oh, it's me, billionaire Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, one thing that I thought was interesting is that every character had a moment, except and correct me if I'm wrong, because clearly I'm wrong about everything today. The Flash. Flash I don't didn't think really have Barry a in this. Says anything in this issue? I think he's. I think he like maybe says one or two things, but I don't think it's... he does that either. I'm flipping through it right now. I have it on Comixology, and I'm flipping through it, and I think the only time he actually shows up is in the scene where Aquaman, which is kind of an, a weird panel, because it's like, uh, it's Aquaman that looks like he's, he's land, he's, the the top panel is him, like, in midair, and, like, the next panel shows him going into the water. So, like, he's clearly jumping into the water, but based on, like, the perspective that he's, that he's at, like, I don't, oh, wait, never mind, I'm just a freaking idiot. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I don't know what I thought. It was like some kind of light effect, but it's clearly him leaping out of the teleporter into the water. I thought like, did he stop, stand on the beach and then just like do like a triple axle flip, yes. like super high in the air, just to dramatically land in the water. So, but I have the uh, attention, the detail of like a goldfish, and that's probably an insult to goldfish. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, long story short, to 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 move away from my inability to see things, uh, it's just Flash's legs basically in one panel. But he never actually says anything. Yeah. Uh, I really love that this did not introduce the next big threat. Uh, we don't even know who the bad the bad guy of this arc is going to be yet of Christopher Priest's first arc. If there's even going to be a bad guy, if it's just going to be an examination of the League, which I... I hmm. What? Uh, I've, read, I've read an interview with Christopher Priest. I don't know if you want me to say. I mean, go ahead. On one hand, yes, I think this arc is primarily going to be an examination of the League. There might not be a central villain, per se. He did mention that there will be some antagonist, and I think he even he said it specifically that it's not a true villain, but an antagonist. And I can't remember if he was called Fan Man or The Fan, but the idea is there's going to be this character coming up who was rescued by the Justice League when he was like during one of their first missions or something, uh-huh. uh, and he became their biggest fan. Um, but as time went on, like he basically was like, I'm going to train myself body and soul to be worthy of like being in the league. But somewhere along the way, he got kind of warped. So he felt like he also needed to assist. He was already assisting the league by like 
by creating so, problems creating problems or solving problems through ways that the leap wouldn't necessarily solve them like killing people mm, interesting that, that sounds really interesting yeah i i'm down for a team up book because i know there have been some really really great runs of both avengers and and justice League. there's been great you know team up books that really take time to break down the characters and dig into them i just have a hard time with with team up books because they can be they can be really great fun at times to watch everybody saving the day but at the same time if that's all that there is it's like meh you know that's fine that's not exactly what i'm looking for so to have to come onto a, a team book that is starting out and saying hey we're we're gonna be about something a little bit more than just them saving the day that like you know there's no there's no blue light to the sky that we have to worry about it looks like mm -hmm. i'm super into that and good job christopher priest uh i'm I, really happy and excited to see whatever you're gonna do with the rest of your time on justice league Man, remember when it was like, hey, uh, like the whole thing with the way that he started on this was like, wouldn't it be funny if Christopher Priest wanted to do a DC book? And he's like, yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to do a DC book. It's like, oh wait, really? Well, cool. Here's a want to do Deathstroke, and now I love that he's doing Justice League. He's doing Justice League. Uh, I think he's involved in some capacity writing one of the, one or more of the series in the Milestone relaunch. Uh, and he's also been working on, I think it's been completed on the radar, and I personally haven't read it, uh, and I'm pretty sure it already started coming out, but he was doing an, an Inhumans origin story for Marvel. Um, so that's also been going on. So he's, he's his profile is picking back up again. Uh, hopefully at least, you know, hopefully I mean, Justice League is just the tip of the iceberg. And, and uh, you know, it's super cool to have, uh, to have someone of color working on one of the big, biggest titles in the industry. Right, as far as writers go, I I think I think the only other person of color uh, that's written the book, and someone could definitely correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who unfortunately passed away several years past or a few years now, past. He's, um, he's not a person of color, but he is a space alien. Grant Morrison has also written the book. I don't know. I haven't seen what's under that mask of his, so he could be like just a cloud of consciousness that holds into a vaguely human form or could be a lizard man. It's really hard to tell that. Yeah. Wow. I just realized, I just realized how this sounds like what I am comparing people of color to. And I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. To, to oh, people. what have I done? What how have I done? I take it. Written Justice League. <laughs> I take it all back. You know what's terrible? More lizard people have written Justice League than people of color. That's the kind of world <laughs> we live in. You, you salvage yourself, David. Ooh, you salvage yourself. Somehow. <laughs> I. Gosh. Oh, I'm a horrible human being. Good, good place to end things, I think, before yep. it gets too, goes too far. Do you have anything you want to recommend on our way out? Uh, oh, gosh. Did I have something to recommend? I swear I... Mm. Yeah, it's too forced now. Okay. Do you have anything to recommend? Yeah, people should go see Coco. That movie was amazing. Oh, I've been wanting to see Coco. It looks... Yeah. I mean, actually, I can't even say that it looks really good. I have not seen a trailer. I saw, like, a screenshot or a screen grab or whatever of the movie. And I was like, oh, hey, like, it's Pixar. It's got some good animation. It's probably good. But you but you enjoyed it? Oh, it's super great. Yeah, love it. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah. That's going to do it for us here at the show. If you want to uh, write to us, if you want to yell at me, that's perfectly understandable. You can do that by writing into heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Find us on the web at heckyeahcomics or on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can personally attack me under the username davluz that is d-a-v-l-u-z so twitter snapchat instagram those are your ways to express your anger you can express your anger at nick by uh, drawing his face on a brick wall and punching it and of course yeah you can find us here next week same heck yeah time same heck yeah channel until then goodbye Worst episode ever.